Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of NFL Only Better. I'm joined very much in the bunker these days by John Baff and by Mike Carlson. Uh, John, you're you're near me. Is, is it a stormy and as gloomy? We have the lights yeah. on if you're watching on YouTube. It's exactly. It's not. It's not looking fantastic outside here. And I've, I've yet to venture outside, but I think it'll be a while before I do that. Yes, given I the, love podcasts chatting about weather. That's right. <laughs> well, if you're watching, if you're watching this podcast on radio, you can yeah. you can you, you can look out my window there. Joke. You can see the sunshine uh, coming coming through my window here in the sunny south of England. <laughs> right. Well, look. Here's what we're going. We're going to go to discuss the games. Before that, we're going to just talk about some of the trends that are currently um, taking place in the NFL. Now, it's been brought to my attention by Mr. Carlson that uh, the last couple of weeks that uh, we haven't touched on the best bets at the start of the show. He believes that there is duplicity of some description here uh, because <laughs> a he's, conspiracy theory. <laughs> we haven't talked about them in any part of the show, not just the says <laughs> that I only bring up the best bets when I have a winner. Now I did not win my best bet this weekend. I believe both of you, both of your best bets won. Congratulations. So there sure you go, you're a lying piece of shit, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, that, uh, that, also, that, you make a bigger deal of it when you win, Kieran, than when you lose. I, that's, that's, <laughs> I mean, I think we all do, to be fair. This is <laughs> fake news. This is how Donald Trump felt. Now I know. I'm, I'm, I'm much. I have more empathy for the man now. Um, so mine lost, right? Uh, and it brings us on to what we wanted to talk about, which is. Well, obviously, I said it would go over in the Arizona uh, Seahawks game. Um, the line was like, well, it did. <laughs> it went over something. It went over twenty five. <laughs> so, I, 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 here we are uh, at this stage of the season where uh, most teams have played six games. Okay, um, the teams with winning records are currently in the AFC: the Bills and the Jets, the Chiefs and the Chargers. And oddly, the Titans, which I think has slipped through a bit there. Mm-hmm. And in the NFC, it is the Eagles oh, no, and Indy. Giants. Don't, for, um, don't forget Indy. Indy, uh, oh, three and two. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Three, two and one. Yeah. Um, and in the NFC, you have the Eagles, uh, Giants and Cowboys. And then you have the Vikings. That is it. So... Um, Mike, I'll, I'll go to you first. Um, I read a tweet, uh, uh, Kieran JDC. I'm going to give you your shout out. It was a tweet from uh, Scott Simpson who said, Fantasy football scores are down 22% from last year. So, yeah, bad football. I think this is coming on from the Tom Brady. I'm watching a lot of bad football out there. Right. And he said, The usage of too high shell in NFL defenses has increased greatly over the past year, preventing the explosive deep plays, running the football will become more necessary again as a countermeasure to this adjustment, like everything the NFL operates in cycles. Is this a cycle or is it bad football? It's a bit of both. Um, And, uh, you know, sometimes we've gone over some of the reasons for bad football, um, which I think start in preseason with, um, you know, not enough practice. Uh, It's not a question of exhibition games. It's more a question of how much contact is allowed. Um, so that you can actually scrimmage and 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 um, prepare for the season, I think there's a lack of good quarterbacks, um, which is obvious. I think you know right now there's maybe three or four premier quarterbacks, and the two who would normally be near the top of that list, or two of them are Brady and Rodgers, both of whom are starting to look their age um, for various reasons. I think there's there's also um, more injuries, not 
not just because of lack of practice or whatever, not being safe, but also because the NFL is more conscious now of injury, especially concussion protocols, and that's being unpredictable for a number of teams. And I honestly think there's also, I wouldn't say bad coaching, but there's there's a kind of focus on young offensive-minded coaches and not necessarily with that um, a – a balance between traditional football, between uh, football values, as it were, and uh, and that coaching. And I'm not blaming this on quote unquote analytics uh, per se, but you know, you do get a lot of coaches right now who often seem to be calling the game by their playbooks and not by the game situations. Um, so that we see it, we see it all the time. And I think if you want this in a nutshell, and I agree with what uh, the other Kieran said, running run teams that can run the ball efficiently right now are in a pretty good position teams that can play defense um, and get, and, or get to passers are in a pretty good position because with all these two high defenses, which have come back in into fashion right now and were, and did so in order to stop teams like the Chiefs from be, from being able to get deep chunk plays, the way to beat them is to be consistent down the field, and mm-hmm. they're willing to give you the underneath as part of the as part of the bargain. But you to to do that means you have to be able to put together eight or nine or twelve play drives without making a mistake, and they're betting that you can't do this. And it's not a new tactic; it's not a new defense. Um, I used to see that Rhine, the Rhine Fire, coached by Galen Hall, the ex-Florida coach, played that defense the whole time the NFL Europe existed. And they did better, you know, more often than not, they did better than than most teams. And they just sat back there with two safeties, let you gave you everything underneath, played a heavy run-oriented game, and dared you, you know, to beat them without making a mistake. And we're yeah, making lots we, of mistakes. We kind of first saw the, the that sort of um, style when uh, the Patriots went to Arrowhead, when KC were flying, essentially, and tried to put a lid on. on and from there, it's kind of... It's kind of got more and more. John, take it up from there, right? So, so what we're saying is, it's it's bad football. It's well, it's a mixture of bad football, bad quarterbacking, bad coaching, uh, too much use of analytics, etc. Yeah, but what it does, it, it's it it is interesting, right? I think Mike really, really hit the nail on the head there. It is the the high coverage which seems to be in vogue at the moment is really putting a cap on the score lines, and it's actually. It's sort of a similar discussion to the one we had on this show, I don't know, about two or three weeks ago about the under being more prevalent. It just seems that there's more closer games so far this year compared to others. And, and as well, like I saw that similar stat that you you quoted at the top of this piece, Kieran, about the, what is it, 13 years since we've seen as low a uh, point scored in fantasy. And I know that's fantasy football. That like obviously translates it somewhat to actual real football. So yeah, I, you wonder, like I do think it is a cyclical thing, like, like Mike said as well, but it's you'd wonder what's going to be the next stage of this because you know this this isn't just the de facto way that the NFL is going to be from this point forward you know there will be some some sort of coaching adjustments that can really take advantage of this but for the time being what it leads to is you're seeing like so many of the league's big players uh, sort of being constrained within their systems a little bit uh, so like even even if you look at you know the Vikings who've started the season tremendously well and they have, you know, you'd imagine with, with their record at this point, you would have thought that Dalvin Cook would be, you know, he'd have 
you know, he's coming up on double, double digit touchdowns at this point of the season, or he'd have, you know, you know, a crazy stretch of yards under his belt at this stage, but that's kind of not the case, but they're still performing despite that. So we're looking at a different element to, to NFL point scoring at the moment, I think. But I, like I said, at the top of this, I think that's going to change uh, sooner rather than later, I suppose, once you get the coaches being able to figure this out. But for the time being, I think the way that translates into betting is that you can still look a little bit towards the under and you can still look towards a lot more closer games than, than, yeah, yeah. than you, than you yeah. might have thought. Yeah, could, couldn't agree like, more. You know, Matt LaFleur, for example, has been out coached three weeks in a row. You know, the, the two losses to the New York teams and the win in overtime against the Patriots, which, you know, the Patriots actually blew a chance to win that game by just not being able to execute. They're not, you know, they're not that great a team. Belichick has outcoached Lafleur, <laughs> Dan Campbell, and Stefanski in the in the last three weeks. You know, the, the Patriots have just come out and executed a game plan um, that has left the other team wanting. And I think that's a large part of what I what I was saying before. And the other thing that we didn't mention, but I think is valid, is that officiating is so random right now yeah. that it it actually is hurting offenses more than you would think because pass coverage defense you really get away with a lot nowadays to stop that downfield passing passing attack and i'm not sure that's the nfl's intent but that's the reality okay and and the last point that we'll make on this before we move on because obviously what we're telling people is you know basically the unders are more popular than the overs you might want to look at anything you know anything over 50 i'd stay away from even 48 at this stage um, Wait and to see my best bet today here. <laughs> and obviously, uh, underdogs, you know, underdogs, anything double digits or even eight or seven, you know, games are staying like that. We saw, I looked at the Chargers on Monday night against the Broncos. You see four points. You think, Ooh, that's a bit of a gimme Chargers at home. And they only, you know, one by three in the end. So, mm-hmm. Mike, one very last thing to you and be quick on this one. But I, I know you're the man to go to on this is... Is it hurting the NFL that we have poor primetime games when you see that the college primetime games are very exciting and and filled with with scores and trick plays, etc.? And the ratings are still quite high for both. But does it hurt that one element of the game is a bit more razzle-dazzle? I don't think it hurts the NFL per se, but it, unless you, you consider that a lot of the audience now is a younger is a younger audience that's more concerned with their fantasy teams and possibly with gambling um, than the traditional, the traditional like kind of audience <laughs> was. Yeah. So, I mean, they do want to remember it was only what two, two seasons ago, three seasons ago when you had that 52 49 game, mm. you know, with, with and everyone was saying, Oh, this is the NFL of the future, you know? And then that year you had a 13 to three Super Bowl. Um, you know, there is good football, out there being played at times, you know, and, and a good defensive game can be good. But I agree with you. I think a younger audience probably wants more, more flash and more excitement. Um, and there's a difference between two good teams playing a 21-13 game and two bad teams playing a 12-7 game, obviously. Yeah. Um it doesn't have to be everything like like uh, Tennessee, Alabama. You know, 50 again, 52-49, I think was the yeah. was the score there. Um, and when you watch college football, and you know the NFL well, you see the big differences in it. It's exciting in its own frame, but it's kind of like college basketball against um, college against pro basketball. Uh, you do get more variations on themes. The NFL does tend to be a copycat league. Yeah, 
yeah, no, college football is very, very enjoyable. I, I, I do enjoy it. <laughs> Although the Jackrabbits beat North Dakota State <laughs> and it was 23 21 in the Fargo Dome to go. And now they're number one in the, FC, in the FCS. Uh, it was number one against number two. That's a college championship game. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, before we move on to the games, um, NFL teams against spreads, they continue to be America's team. They are the Atlanta Falcons. They are six, six and seven. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, against the spread. The New York Giants, we wouldn't have said that at the start of season, are five and one. Buffalo four, one and one. Houston three, one and one. That's right. And Chargers four and two, along with Dallas, um, Jets and the Bengals. Teams to let's avoid. waste another 20 seconds just to point out that Atlanta is winning, even without their best running back, by playing the same kind of game Tennessee plays. Arthur Smith, obviously, the former Tennessee offensive coordinator, uh, which, which is all based on ball control and running. And Marcus Mariota is running a college offense. You know, he's running the Oregon offense when Chip Kelly was the coach at Oregon. You know, run pass option, uh, heavy ball control, two tight ends. And it's successful because they can hold on to the ball for a long time, you know, and not make mistakes and make you play to their level. They're also t- tough to know because uh, obviously with their, their main run back out that they, they are kind of working in tandem in the backfield there now as well. And, and Mariota's running more. So it's quite difficult to know exactly who's going to get the ball. Um, one and five Carolina Panthers. They're on our call list. Uh, the Washington, the Rams, Denver, of course. Yeah, KC, Tampa Bay. Actually, there's a load. Why did I start? Cleveland, Green Bay, Minnesota, New Orleans, Jacksonville, Tampa Bay. All on our list at the moment to maybe stay away from. Uh, <laughs> That's half the, the majority league. of the teams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of over-under, it's something that we don't look at a lot, but obviously it's com- coming into play a lot here now. But if you are uh, looking at teams that are over, I can tell you really the only ones that have been over in 50% of their games or more, or sorry, more than 50% are Jacksonville, New Orleans, Las Vegas, Detroit, and the Cleveland Browns who actually lead the way there, John. So in many ways, they're top of the table, but they've gone over in 83% <laughs> of their games, which is five and one. Teams yeah. where it literally no, nothing is scored, um, or they haven't gone over in, in they've only Chicago. gone over in one, shall we say. Tampa Bay, Denver, Denver Buffalo, yeah. San Fran, the Rams, the Colts, and the Bengals. So See, those like, are mostly teams that people expected to be high scoring. Teams. Yeah, that does hurt. Yeah, it, it is you it know, is a list, it, but it's it's a list we have to give the people out there. You yeah, know, absolutely. Kind of, but I think that's you know, that's the perception versus the reality. Um, you know, note note that Cleveland uh and Detroit, Detroit was the highest scoring team in the league before they played New England. And, and Cleveland was averaging a lot before they points. played New England. Exactly, you know, it, yeah. It's not like it's not like they can't be stopped. You know. Yeah. Okay. Let's get on to the games. I'm just looking through the games, obviously that you guys wanted uh, to mainly speak about. There's actually only one game that's on at six o'clock. So we'll talk about that first, and then we'll do Thursday night football. It is. Uh, the Jags, the Giants, I believe, and uh, no, sorry, New York, yeah, New York Giants at Jacksonville Jaguars, five to four. The Giants, the Jags are thirteen to twenty-three point spread. Uh, Forty-one point five is the over/under. Interesting, the Giants are underdogs here. Um, who called this one, Mike? Uh, did you? That was oh, me, was it John. Yeah, yeah, hit me up. Uh, I think they're justifiable underdogs in this one. I, I mentioned it last week, and I got it. I mean, I didn't. This was one of my big picks last week, but I was talking about how. This Giants team, they're, I hesitate to say the word luck, but this run isn't going to last that they're on at the moment. 
So we're just sitting here sort of waiting for them to regress to their to their floor, really, at, at this point of the season. Now, fair play, they beat the Ravens last week, but the Ravens had their own problems on the defensive side of the ball. So, I mean, you can kind of understand that when you, when you analyze it pretty closely. But I think this is the week where they, they come unstuck. They're, the Giants, don't get me wrong, they're a decent team and they're actually really well coached at the moment as well, which is a, a, a change for, for how football has gone in New York in the last few seasons anyway. But um, yeah, they're... Five and one team is almost ludicrous to, to to look at with this team so far. Six and one would be even more so. And it is kind of strange for a team who are five and one to be going to a team like Jacksonville as the underdog. What are Jacksonville two and four if memory serves? Yeah. So I think, yeah, for them to be underdogs in this game is a strange one. But that to me gives a little bit of value to this particular matchup between these two sides because, well, there's a variety of reasons. Number one, uh, Jacksonville, I think have been performing better. Well, there's significantly better than they were last season. Nobody's going to argue that. They've been, they started off a bit promisingly this year. That's fallen off slightly, but Doug Peterson, their head coach is eight and two against the Giants. Good luck, obviously dating back to his time in Philly. But I think that fills me with a little bit of confidence about them. I think both teams are going to run the ball a lot in this one. And Barkley, Saquon Barkley, the Giants running back has been tremendous so far this year. But I still think it will be Jacksonville who come out on top of this one. Again, it feels weird taking a two and four team against a five to one team, uh, especially when they're when the, the, the five to one team or the underdog. But this Giants team aren't going six and one through seven games in the season. I'm pulling it right now. So I'll take uh, I'll take the Jacksonville Jaguars minus three on this nice. one. Mike, before I, I, I come to you, do you want to know something funny about the, the Giants? Since 2007 to this season, the New York Giants have only made the playoffs four times, and two of those, they won the Super they Bowl. They won the Super Bowl, yeah. It's just a but crazy that, record, you know, isn't it? It's funny, yeah. And and it's one of the reasons why I always laugh at the Eli um, Hall of Fame argument, you know, because basically he, he had two two great playoff runs. Um, the record was, in some of these seasons, by the way, sorry to interrupt, but 2015, 2014, 6 and 10, 2013, 7 yeah. and 9, people, 2017, 3 and 13, 2018, 5 and 11. He was there for all those years. Like yeah. I mean, <laughs> He was basically a league average quarterback for yeah. most, most of his um, career. And he had two great playoff runs with teams that weren't, I mean, the 2017 was a wild card team. 10 and 6, the, 9 yeah. and 7 and 2011 when they won the, the yeah. Super Bowl. And, you know, and, but he got hot at the right time, which is which was his strong point as a quarterback quarterback is is kind of like Eli had no memory um of bad plays or stuff like that he was always willing to stand in there and take another chance which which was great for them but they were a defensive oriented team in those those years they won um I like the Giants here with three points to be honest because I think they're well coached and and I agree with John they're Jacksonville's much better coached with Doug Peterson than they were with Urban Meyer but then Almost anyone would be an improvement over a We can do that. Yeah, the three of us um, come together. And as much as you mentioned Barkley, I'll just argue against myself for a second. You know, Travis ATN or ETN as they call him, but you know, Travis ATN um is starting to do what what Urban Meyer drafted him to do, you know, um to be that double threat kind kind of big play back. Uh so I think this is this is going to be an interesting game. I agree with John. Jacksonville's probably a um, a bit better than two and four, and the Giants aren't as good as five and one. But what they do is they hang around in games. They try to control the ball as much as possible. And they've been helped by some amazing late game breakdowns by by the Packers, by the Ravens, you know, mm. teams that just collapse in the fourth quarter. I'm not sure, I'm not sure why. Um, but 
it's very similar. I mean, I, I guess we're not going to, I don't want to skip over it because Indianapolis is getting two and a half at Tennessee. Go first. And the last, last year, both those games were either 24, I think it was 24, 17 and 24, 16, um, both to Tennessee. And I think this is one that's really going to tell us, tell us a lot about both the division and the style of play. Cause we know what Tennessee wants to do, which is control the ball on the ground do run play action with Tannehill um, and they're kind of light in the receiving department, but Indianapolis strangely enough wants to do the same thing. Um, And except that Matt Ryan isn't very mobile, but Ryan had his best game in years um, out of the blue last week. And I think Indy's a sneaky, if they have Taylor back, which is, I would look for that. If, If Taylor's not back, I'm not sure the other, you know, Taylor and Hines are both out. I'm not sure that they can get enough um, to keep the play, to keep in uh, Tennessee's front four off their backs. But, but if he is, this becomes a really interesting bet with, with the, with the points. I think that Colts Titans is probably, probably the sky game. It's either that I'd say, or the Browns Ravens, because both of them obviously are divisional game. But what I'd say about that is that, the only thing I'd add to what Mike said on, the, on, the, on this particular game is the Titans are coming off their bye week, which, you know, they'll have a little bit more juice in the tank, you'd imagine, slightly. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Derek Henry off a bye week is usually mm-hmm. pretty colossal. Exactly. Uh, Thursday night football is, oh, thank God, it's not the Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Um, the New Orleans Saints take on the Arizona Cardinals. This one probably looked pretty good when the network was sitting down in, in April <laughs> looking at their schedules. Yeah. Actually, it should be noted as well that and maybe some of our listeners didn't hear, but the NFL has announced that there will be a Black Friday game in 2023. Um, so, uh, and I believe a three o'clock kickoff, which would be about eight o'clock here. So a Friday night football after Thanksgiving. Um, I'm not going to ask for your opinion on that because both of you are just stoic faith. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm trying. I'm wait, always wait, trying to figure out on TV. What? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure out why they call it Black Friday. Um, yeah, the NFL doesn't put games on on Friday because it's an un, kind of with their um, um, monopoly monopoly waiver from from the Congress. It's kind of part of the deal is that they won't go against high school games um, on Friday or college games on Saturday. But they obviously started moving in on that like unwritten rule a few years ago because they started putting yeah. games on Saturdays in the playoff. Yeah, well, the, well, by the time that they start, the college season is pretty much done. Yeah. Um, and the high school season traditionally ends in at Thanksgiving, but uh, most states now have postseason playoffs, uh, although those aren't necessarily on Friday nights. When you live in New England, like I did, we played all our high school games on Saturday afternoons, you know, and now they've switched to Friday nights. It's cold in November on a Friday mm-hmm. night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, look, that's one we'll, we'll, we'll be touching on in 2023. Um, but for now, we want to look at the New Orleans Saints with the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I like the Panthers. I like the Panthers in that one. No, no, no. <laughs> What's the early line? I don't know why I even said that. I, just, uh, I immediately regret it. Uh, the New Orleans Saints take on the Arizona Cardinals. It is 11 to 10 about the uh, Saints. The Arizona Cardinals are three to four, two points. Bread 44.5 is the over under. Um, Guy, what's what's going on in Arizona? <laughs> I call it take the money and run. <laughs> well, he is fast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, between I, they had no, it's so weird. They had no reason to pay him apart from the fact that he threw a sniffy fit. Um, 
We're talking about Kyler Murray here. We're talking about right? Kyler Murray, not Cliff Kingsbury, but they paid yeah. him too. Um, and and all the basic problems with Kyler Murray have not gone away because simply because he put all that money in his pocket. You know, he still has a lot of trouble th- throwing from the pocket, looking over the the rush. He's if not going to get any taller. If you exactly, if you keep him in the pocket, um, you can control him. Uh, they've they've gone to more designed runs for him because that's that's his best his best weapon. And as in the fourth quarters, as games kind of get looser in a, in a sense, um, he, he plays, he plays better, but he gets Deandre Hopkins back this week. Yeah. Um, That's a big one. Actually. He won't, he'll only have practiced, you know, one day, <laughs> but I don't think that bothers you go, mate. But yeah. he's lost Hollywood Brown. Um, you know, who's well, he's got Robbie Anderson. So. And right, and they just signed Robbie Anderson, who will also have only one day of practice. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be kind of like Kyler gets in the huddle and he goes, "Okay, Robbie, you go along." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and DeAndre, that way. You, you you take you take a you know you cut in at the at the park the parked car there by the sidelines, you know, um, that that kind of thing. So you know, I wish I had more faith in New Orleans here, um, but on the road on a short week. They're getting a point and a half. So, that, you know, obviously the smart guys realize this is pretty much a toss up game that nobody's really going to want to see. <laughs> Did you? I've got a little, a little right. stat on this game regarding. That's a horrific review of it. But anyway, John, take, <laughs> yeah, give us yeah. something. Regarding the return of uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who, as you know, most people listening to this show, I imagine will know that at least when he's on form and when he's clicking, I think he's one of the best. He's one of the premier receivers in the, in the whole league. Uh, now we'll see how he looks. He's he obviously he's getting a bit older, and yeah, he hasn't played or practiced really much this season so far. For well, he's, he was suspended, so that's why. But what will give uh, Arizona a bit of comfort with, with his return is that at least through last season or his tenure with the Cardinals so far, anyway, when DeAndre Hopkins plays, the Cardinals average thirty points scored. When he doesn't play, they average eighteen points scored. So I mean, you can. That might be a selective sort of statistic, but you can read it. It's something into that, I imagine. Now, it's you know these both of these teams. If you zoom back slightly, two two and four teams already long shots to make the playoffs. You can kind of write off your season if you hit two and five. So there's a there's a kind of a lot to play for here as well. Also, I think the coaches are, you know, I don't think Dennis Allen's on the chopping block or anything like that yet because it's so early into his reign, but it's not gone well so far. Cliff Kingsbury very much is on the chopping block in my opinion, and. Uh, I think he could be on the way out sooner rather than later, particularly if they put up a very dispirited performance against a team with the same record as them and a team who have kind of struggled along along with them so far this season. Uh, my pick on this would be the over-under is a low one on this one. It's 45 and a half. I think we can actually get over on this one. And I, admittedly, I'm sort of looking at that uh, Hopkins getting back and kind of hitting the hitting the ground running a little bit. But I think over 45 and a half is, is a solid. Is it up to 45? Yeah, it was 45 and a half yesterday. What do you got there for? Was it 40, 40, pardon me? 44. 44. 44. Yeah. yeah, it's still even. I mean, same same thing for me. I'm, I'm hitting over on that one. It's even, even if it's going down like that, that makes it even better for me. Okay, uh, before we move on to the later games on Sunday, it is, of course, Safer Gambling Week. As we told you last week, here is a message about all things Safer Gambling. For Betfair, the fun is in the fairness. Fair means power to the players. It means a way to play where you're in control. That's why we've created online tools that allow you to manage your spending with deposit limits, give yourself a safety net by setting a limit on losses, or get a reminder to take a timeout if you need a break. 
To learn more, go to safergambling.betfair.com. Okay, guys, uh, the later games, uh, we start off with uh, Kansas City Chiefs taking on San Francisco 49ers, 6-10 to 10 about the uh, KC 11 to 8 to San Francisco 49ers, three points of spread. 48.5 is the over under. Mike, you were keen on this, weren't you? Yeah. And and again, this is one where I'm going to have to watch because last last week, San Francisco's entire front four were out. Um, yeah. All four of the guys who started the season were, were out. And, and they are a defensive minded team. They can't win un, unless the defense is clicking and without without the front, um, they're going to have a lot of, a lot of trouble with that. Um, and that's the sort of thing Kansas city can, can take advantage of you. You saw in the loss to Buffalo, they, they actually wanted to run the ball a lot. Um, and, you know, Andy, I know, you know, Andy Reed has this little switch in his head as the game goes on at some point, the, the switch flicks and then they abandon the running game completely, but, but, they, but they stuck to it. And I think they're going to want to, um, they're going to want to score a lot of points in this game um, coming off the Buffalo game. Of course you always do, but there were signs that Patrick Mahomes was starting to, you know, click in with the new set of options that he's got, you know, Valtmar MVS had, had at least one big play and J2 S2 had, had a couple more. So, you know, those new receivers, maybe they're starting to click there. And I thought in my mind, really, the problem in that game boiled down to Mahomes making two bad decisions on those last two possessions with the ball. Um, the first one where he danced and danced and danced around before he took off and only gained two yards on a third and 12 and they had to settle for a field goal, which, which was bad because they'd left a lot of time for Buffalo to at least get into field goal range. And then obviously the, the pass rush from Von Miller and, and him, his not seeing um, Teron Johnson on the outside of the play when he, when he threw a pass. And that's kind of uncharacteristic. So, you know, San Francisco's at home and their dog, their home dogs by three. That's what, that's what it was yesterday, at least. Yeah. 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 Normally I would take San Francisco on that, but if the off, if the D line is still, a shred of what it is, then I'd have to go with Kansas City. So I just, I just say keep that in mind, and then and then look and see what the injury report is on Thursday. Say, okay, uh, John, in in fifteen seconds, KC or San Fran? Yeah, I'm going. I think KC can win this for like more than the handicap suggests. I'd be looking at sort of a, I don't know, a 31-17 win to the Chiefs on this sort of game. I think it has that kind of script to it. That's 48 points and the over-under is 48-5. There we go. There we go. <laughs> well done, John, I guess. <laughs> um, Seattle Seahawks take on the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, the Seahawks 11-5. The Chargers are 4-11. 6.5 is the spread. 51.5 is the over-under. You know, we talked a little bit about defences, etc., and teams that can run the ball. Um you know, we, we had a debate uh, both on the show and off the show, of course. We, we discussed, you know, who's the best running back in the league. And, and you've got guys like Nick Chubb, um, Saquon Barkley at the moment, um, maybe Pollard and, and Ezekiel Elliott in a tandem at Dallas. But, like, the Chargers really rely on Austin Eckler. <laughs> so a, a run-type game or, or, or defences that help the run, well, Mike, someone like Eckler is always going to be strong. Actually, John, this was your game, wasn't it? You want well, to talk yeah. yeah, hit me with it. Hit me with it. Uh, well, yeah, I think this is one of the more uh, interesting <laughs> games. I always kind of pick... I've sort of noticed a trend because, I don't know, for, for just for the listeners, Kieran, we text Kieran a, a day before the thing, we kind of 
tell them a couple of games we want to focus on. And I've just noticed. And then I that. never hear from them for the rest of the week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, I always notice that the ones that I pick are tend to be the ones that I see a lot of points being scored in. And that's just, I guess, the, I, who doesn't enjoy high scoring games? That's the uh, young person in you that Mike likes to talk about. Exactly. <laughs> Not getting any younger, though, Kieran. <laughs> Not getting any younger. But. Um, yeah, so this is a game that I think, uh, long story short, there'll be a, there's a high chance that there'll be a bunch of points in. Now, the Chargers come to this one as they didn't start the season well. Nobody's going to say that, but they're, they've put together some good performances recently. Now they're four and two. And as you said at the top of the show, Kieran, there ain't that many teams in the league with a winning record. So, yeah, the, the Chargers are one of them. Seattle, though, at their three and three, I would argue are vastly outperforming expectations uh, on this season, particularly what kind of happened in the offseason with them, with them obviously ditching their quarterback, Russell Wilson, in a big trade for the Denver Broncos. And uh, we've we've talked about that in the last couple of weeks, but I think suffice to say that it's not going quite like they hoped in uh, in Denver. So, you know, it's not really Broncos country out there at the moment, despite what Russell Wilson will tell you. But where it is, where it is, Broncos country is in Seattle, apparently, because Geno Smith is balling. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, this is, like I said, this is a great candidate for the for the over. I think both of these teams have shown themselves really, really capable of putting points on the board. But what really sticks out to me as well is they're not necessarily fantastic on the defensive side of the ball. The Chargers have the second worst run defense in the league. Uh, they're giving up 5.6 yards per play which is, you know, astronomical. But uh, that's something that can certainly be taken advantage of. I think this is a nice matchup for both offenses, as in they will like, but they'll be licking their lips at the opposition defense. So the over-under, at least as of last night, as, as of Tuesday night, was 51.5. So I'm that's a high one. And we've already yeah. talked about how the unders are... This are is filling me with fear, what you're about to say. Exactly. This, But I'm, you know, so this sometimes you have to be optimistic here. And sometimes you have to think, you know, there's going to be just a great game of football happening this weekend. So I'm going to go over 51.5 on this Seahawks-Chargers game. Now, that's it's a risky one, admittedly, because that's a high over-under. But if there's going to be a game that eclipses a high over under this week. I think it'll be this one. So that's where my, my fate lies. I love that. I love that. I love that. The first eight minutes of the show was dedicated to how bad football is. <laughs> John, yeah. So far, John's had two overs. Had two yeah. overs. <laughs> All hail Gino Smith. I've ultimate faith in Gino Smith. To on this one. Kyler Murray and Gino Smith. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, listen, when we're on the show, I was just thinking about things. Um, okay. Two, two to end it. Uh, the um, Chicago Bears and New England Patriots. We'll get to in a quick second. Let's have a tiny, 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 preview of um the sunday night football which is the pittsburgh steelers at the miami dolphins 27 to 10 about the steelers the dolphins are two to seven seven points to spread 44.5 is the over under anyone got any big feelings about this one obviously steelers well mike you're actually you 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 should have had a good look at the steelers last in the last couple of weeks yeah um down in Miami, I can see I can see Pittsburgh running out of gas. I don't know who's going to start for Pittsburgh this week because Trubisky came in when when Pickett went out and did relatively well. <laughs> you know, it, it takes a very Mitch Trubisky type game. Yeah, yeah. And, I think and Pickett's it, got he's got concussion stuff going on, doesn't he? So he might be a he might be a doubt. Yeah, and and uh, I assume the two is going to play for Miami. Um, in this one, but again, I would check that because um, Teddy Teddy was hurt, and um, Kyler Thompson apparently is is like day to day with with his hand injury. So Tua ought to be back from concussion at, at this point. Although interestingly, Brian Hoyer's out for the season with concussion, which strikes really? me as being really weird. Yeah, they put him on I, on IR. Um, 
the seven points for Pittsburgh does interest me, but I'm I'm just afraid. This is kind of like the Jets at Denver. I'm just kind of afraid that they run out of gas in the fourth quarter, which happens to teams if it's hot in Miami, teams from the you know the rusty north, um, and it happens obviously to teams in Denver um, because of, because of the altitude. So um, you know I, I'm I probably would take Pittsburgh with the points on this one. Um, cool. I, I love how. Yeah, John and then watch Tua Tua come back and throw like three touchdown passes, and, and there it is. <laughs> the minute weather is brought up, John's like, "Excellent point." Exactly. I did up that weather. I did, I did think that. Not in agreement. Uh, Chicago Bears is our last game. Chicago Bears take on the New England Patriots. Uh, the Bears are three to one. The Patriots are one to four. Seven and a half is the seven and a half is big. Game. Yeah, and this yeah, is a big, big juju, guys. big juju game because if Belichick wins this one, he passes George Hallis for most career wins. Um, oh, and Hallis, of course, was Mr. Bear. Um, so that 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 brings an element of, uh, I don't think any of the guys playing for Chicago today care one way or the other. Um, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, seven and five. The only reason I would hesitate on this is that New England is not the kind of team to run away from teams, even though last week they Except. did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, for, Thanks for bringing that up, Mike. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, but that was that was the Browns, and the Browns helped them along the way, you know. Um, and you know, they they really just want to control the game and and um, keep. It. And I think they'll be able to do that against Chicago. I think they can hold Jalen um, Fields, Justin Fields, in in check. Um, you know, control him a bit because that if you do that, all you have to worry about otherwise is David Montgomery and uh, Khalil Herbert breaking a breaking a big run. So so I, I like I like New England here. The 7.5 worries me a little bit, but I'd probably still take New England. Interesting, because New England right now have a 43% chance of making the playoffs based on analytics. So if they were to win this game, it would bring them over 50%, probably to around 58% of making the playoffs. Do yeah. you see them making uh, the playoffs, Mike? Um, well, a lot depends on Miami um, and the Jets at this point. The Jets are 4-2. Four, are four and two. Um, You know, so, I mean, that's the funny thing. Everybody's writing off teams with four losses, but in some of these divisions, the teams leading divisions have three, you know, so, so you're not, you're not out of it. Um, The wild card is going to be a tough, I I think in the AFC, the wild card may even require more than 10 wins. Um, And I see new England is at best at the season as a 10 win team, probably the same with Miami and, you know, and the jets probably eight um, in the end. Um, so the, the, the other thing, the other thing of note, and I've said this before, but when you when your over under is down as low as thirty nine five, and in the New England Chicago game, I, I might take the under on this one um, at thirty nine five. But if Chicago is getting seven point five out of thirty nine point five, that's a big. That's actually a big spread. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the lower the over under, the bigger the spread is. Um, you have to consider people are thinking, okay, you know, seven and a half out of four. What's that? Uh, I, I'm trying to do the math. Sixteen percent or something like that of the points. Um, that's that's quite a bit. Okay, and that is our show. Uh, just a quick reminder of a number of things. Uh, first off, plenty of special offers on the sports book these days. Lots of stuff to get involved with, especially on Saturdays and Sundays. If you do log in, have a little look. There's super boosts. Uh, this uh, bet 10 get 10 on racing and it's just it's it's a really good time some nice promotions uh on the sports book and i know again a lot of people contact us about player pop props even um and odds boost etc unfortunately when we record on wednesday a lot of those player props are not really available but we will 
maybe going forward when we do the Thanksgiving shows, um, etc., where we do do it a little bit later in the week, we might have a little look at that and have a kind of a special. But um, the moment is just a little bit more difficult for us to do it than you would think. And of course, uh, once again, a little reminder, it is Safer Gambling Week for all the details. Head to the website, safergamblingweek.org, or check out the Betfair Sportsbook or betting.betfairsafer.org gambling area uh gentlemen that was it that was fantastic thank you so much for that let's 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 give me in in 10 seconds or less are we going to see good football or bad football this weekend it's it's oh of course i had no idea how i did that i was trying um, to signal signal you i didn't want to like insert myself into your you monologue can do, like, here, you but... can insert into me whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> that's not the best offer i've had in the last week um, but it's the only one so you have to yeah, take it's it. the only one john bob give me your best bet so you need to one uh yeah my on. best bet uh you might have it's a risky one i'll admit that but uh, oh my god he's going over in something I'm gonna go. Well, it's it's the aforementioned one. I'm 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 gonna stick my 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 nail to this one. Fifty one and a half over in the uh, the Seahawks Chargers game. I just Woo-hoo. I just have a, I just have a feeling about this one. So, although Ken- previous times I've had feeling about games have been wrong. So the Kenny Rogers of Dublin. <laughs> but I think it's time to be optimistic. You know, and you know to be to to be fair to or to be serious just for a second. There has been a trend, but you know these trends don't last forever. I I, I think. There will be breakout games, obviously, and I think this might be one of them. So I'm, I'm looking at the over 51 and a half in this one. Uh, Mike? Um, you, you know something? We talk about, you know, so few teams with winning records. Did you notice that the four teams that are on a bye week this week have a combined record of 20 wins and four losses? <laughs> it's like the NFL decided, let's take let's take all the good teams out of the league yeah. this week <laughs> and see how that works. Uh, but anyway, my, my best bet, I, I was... I'm sort of torn. Two games, almost the same over-under. The underdog is a 6.5 dog in both games. Um, They both involve the AFC North, and it's Cleveland-Baltimore. The over-under is 46.5. Atlanta-Cincinnati, the over-under is 47.5. Since I am the undertaker um, since last year, I'm going to go with one of those two teams, to as keeping keeping the score down and in the end i'm going to go with uh, atlanta cincinnati at 47.5 okay interesting uh, i was torn between two i gotta say and uh, neither of you were mentioned um new york jets jets at even money to beat the broncos is probably not the worst bet in the entire world uh, but i'll stay away from that and i'm going to head to the washington commanders who take on the green bay packers the packers are m- less than a touchdown favorite so minus 5.5 obviously packers are not in Great shape. They've lost their last two games. But what better way to get back on track than a trip to the uh, the Commanders? I, if this had been done three weeks ago, that spread would have been eight or nine. But obviously, we if Wentz were the quarterback, it would probably be eight or nine. But Tyler Taylor Henneke is going to be the quarterback, and that probably helped the spread. <laughs> probably did, yeah. But I'll go with the Packers. Um, so, yeah, guys, good or bad football? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Good football, right? Yeah, good thumbs football. up from John. Good football. Yeah. Good football. Yeah. Good yeah. yeah, Brady, shut up, right? You're old. Stop taking Wednesdays off and staying out all night on Friday. I think party. that's what he was shouting at his offensive line. You know, I had there's, a great time on th- Friday. There's a lot of bad so. football. There's, I see a lot of bad football out there, and you're playing it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my thanks to John Balfour. My ten- thanks to Mike Carlson for joining us. A reminder to please do gamble responsibly and check out all the safer gambling week uh, stuff on betting.betfair. And of course, Go Broncos. Let's ride. Talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>